Listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke, your daily Broncos podcast. Should the Denver Broncos pursue Arizona Cardinals cornerback Patrick Peterson? What are some important upcoming dates around the National Football League and Broncos country? Ask their questions on Text Message Tuesday. Welcome back into a brand new episode of Locked On Broncos, folks, from the South Stands to the end zone. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, senior NFL analyst at ProFootballNetwork.com and Broncos insider for the Locked On NFL Network. You guys can follow and interact with me on social media on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL. Make sure you guys are following the podcast at Locked On Broncos. We're also on Facebook, so if you want to get the content there as well, like us on Facebook. We'll be there for you as well. And also, we are here for you every single day in your favorite podcast provider, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and our good friends over there at Spotify. If you're a new listener of Locked Lockdown Broncos here today. Welcome into the show. We have a lot of amazing concepts we talk about, whether it be Broncos film review, the X's nose, an objective point of view on the team that you love every single day, all offseason long, all year long here. Lockdown Broncos. With that said, folks, today's episode, there's some reports going around on social media and various news outlets that Patrick Peterson and the Arizona Cardinals are more than likely going to part ways this offseason should Peterson be a target for the Denver Broncos in free agency if, in fact, that does happen. We take a look at the pros. We take a look at the cons. Plus, we answer questions from listeners all across Broncos country on text message Tuesday at 303-529-6323. But with that said, Broncos country, let's jump into the action here on today's episode of the show. There are numerous reports circulating around the media that the Arizona Cardinals and cornerback Patrick Peterson could be headed towards a split this offseason, barring something drastic happening between the two here. And we have to take a look at whether or not the Broncos, who are in need of some cornerback help, whether or not they should pursue Patrick Peterson in free agency. Now, not too long ago, about a couple years ago, everybody was pounding the table for the Broncos to make a trade at the NFL trade deadline for Patrick Peterson. There were some potential rumors there. I think there's a strong inkling that it could happen now, not in terms of a trade, but if, in fact, Patrick Peterson becomes available, if he and the Cardinals decide to go their own separate ways here, Dever should take a serious look at Peterson, and here's why. We're going to take a look at the pros and cons here, but something to keep note of, Patrick Peterson's 30 years old, has been playing a long time in the National Football League, a lot of Pro Bowl honors, all pro honors altogether. He's been in Arizona his entire career. He's an athletic cornerback. He can play man-to-man. He can play zone. There's definite things about his game that I think stands out as to why it would be a good fit in Vic Fangio's defense, Now, if Denver were to pursue Patrick Peterson, more than likely they do cut A.J. Bouye, which frees up some cap space there, obviously, for that. I'm not quite sure what type of deal Peterson would be looking for at his given age at this point of his career, but obviously the former first-round pick out of LSU will draw some attention on the free agency market. And there's some teams in the AFC West, like, for example, the Kansas City Chiefs could be looking at a cornerback, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders and the Chargers. They could be looking at a cornerback deciding on what decision they make on Casey Hayward or Chris Harris Jr., if they decide to release those players. But with Brandon Staley taking over as the D.C. in L.A., I don't think that Chris Harris Jr. will be gone there. I just don't think they're going to make that move. I imagine they're going to find a way to try to keep both 
but I don't know if that can happen salary cap wise for them. But obviously having a defensive minded head coach changes the way that the front office will probably operate. So that's for the Chargers here. But for Denver, we all know they do need some help. They need some depth at cornerback there. Obviously you have Michael Ojemudi entering his second season, a lot to improve on, obviously a lot to build on as well. You know, there was many things that he did well in 2020, and now he's going to have to take the next step in 2021. I mean, he's one of those players that comes up and forces fumbles. He's physical. He's not afraid to tackle. He did have an issue in 2020 early on where he did struggle with tackling. He did struggle with reacting on some of the short stuff that was thrown, but he was benched. And I think that lesson, that experience there for him helped him as the season went on. And obviously the Broncos' depth at cornerback was tested due to injury. I mean, losing cornerbacks left and right to suspension, to injury, to ACLs, that didn't help the Broncos' overall chances there. So they had to rely on Parnell Motley and Michael Ujimudi in the final game of the regular season against the Las Vegas Raiders. But Patrick Peterson would be an intriguing option for Denver. Let's take a look at the pros as to why it would stand out. Well, he is also an Ironman. We talk about Justin Simmons not missing any snaps. Patrick Peterson in 2020, he played 100% of the snaps last season in Vance Joseph's defense. Obviously, former Broncos cornerback coach Greg Williams is over there. He amassed three total interceptions on the season, had eight passes defensed, and a lot of the teams would target opposite of him most of the time. Now we could throw it on the cons of potentially bringing in Patrick Peterson. I mean, you can make a lot of arguments depending on how you want to look at the film, how you want to look at the data. You know, he's going to be 31, obviously, in July. We talked about that age is always something that a lot of people bring up when we look at Denver's secondary. You have Kareem Jackson, who's going to be 32. So Patrick Peterson is going to be 31. A.J. Boye is going to be 30 altogether. So I, I think that this is where if you're really trying to elevate your game at the cornerback position, you have to bring in one of these veteran guys. And I think that should be the best option for Denver in free agency. Bring in a key veteran guy or keep A.J. Bouye, even though he's going to miss the first two games of 2021. And then maybe not in round one, but maybe in round two, you can target an under-the-radar cornerback that you could bring in that can learn from a veteran in that room. And that's something that the Broncos young cornerbacks haven't really had. They haven't really had the ability to learn from a veteran guy, at least not in Vic Fangio's era here. Chris Harris Jr. played one year in Vic Fangio's system and then left. So really, a lot of these young guys are being taught about Vic's system by Ed Donatel and obviously the defensive back coach and, and these other DBs that are in there, they can help obviously speed that process up because they're all in the film room together. And obviously the Broncos hired a brand new defensive back coach. That can help there. But the one thing I want to look at for Denver here when we talk about the cons a lot of people are going to look, and these are according to Pro Football Reference, there were five touchdowns that were scored against him in 2020, and when he was targeted by quarterbacks, his the passer rating that he would give up was 98.2. You can read into that uh, a multitude of different narratives however you want to. I don't invest too much in that. I'm going to go back and I'm going to watch the film on Patrick Peterson a lot more, and I had a chance to speak with Broncos cornerback coach Greg Williams early on in the season. One of the things he talked about was that Patrick Peterson's still playing at a very high level. When I asked him about how things are going down there, obviously checking in with a good friend of mine. Uh, and, and obviously with Patrick Peterson, that's great information to have for him to be at his age. When you look at the NFC West division, you have DK Metcalf, you have all these talented receivers in that division you have to go against. And Patrick Peterson did a pretty good job for the most part. I mean, a cornerback opposite of him was really what was talked about as his struggle area for Arizona. So I think you could read into that what you can here. Now you have to compare Vic Fangio's defensive scheme and philosophy versus Vance Joseph. Now Vance Joseph's defensive scheme is highly aggressive a lot of man coverage, and you're going to take chances by sending some pressure. When I look at Vic's defense, you know, a lot of times they're going to send four, they're going to send five at times, but it's a lot of disguised coverage. And I think it's a lot, it's placated to the narrative where 
you're going to play the bend but don't break mentality and you're going to try to force pressure with your outside edge rushers and interior pressure there. You're going to drop your guys back into coverage and because of that pressure that you hope can get home, it's going to create opportunities for those guys to get interceptions. Now obviously with the elite play that Justin Simmons has had, Kareem Jackson has had, the rising talent of Michael Ojemudi, if he can be a lot more consistent in 2021 in tackling and coverage and work on a couple of areas of his game, in addition to Patrick Peterson, would be really good and very fruitful for Denver. Not quite sure if it would be a one-year deal. It's certainly a possibility. Or a three-year deal altogether. But it depends a lot on what Patrick Peterson wants in terms of money. Obviously, he has a former first-round pick. A very productive career so far in Arizona. A brand-new start would have to be somewhere where he believes that he could potentially contend, which I imagine is going to be the case. But if there's something special in brewing in Denver, as George Payton feels, maybe the Broncos can try to sell Patrick Peterson on coming to Denver, and obviously the price would obviously be something that's going to have to be looked into. But what are your thoughts, Broncos country? Would you guys like Patrick Peterson in a Broncos uniform next season? Let me know on Twitter, at Cody Work NFL. But coming up here in just a moment, we're going to get into Broncos fans. Text message Tuesday questions. They said to me, 303-529-6323, folks. But before we get into that, i got to tell you guys about the sponsor of today's episode of the show. That's our good friends over there, BetOnline.ag. And BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action and football might be over, but the NBA season, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head over to the website at BetOnline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline your online sportsbook experts. All right, Broncos country, before we get started with our text message Tuesday, I just wanted to remind you about something special we have going on here at the Lockdown Podcast Network here this month. In February is Black History Month, and the Lockdown Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Lockdown Presents more than the game. This week, Candace Cooper of Lockdown Tar Heels and Erica Ayala of Lockdown Women's Basketball discuss the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. Subscribe to the Lockdown Presents podcast feed on the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. But with that said, let's get into a conversation right here on today's episode of Text Message Tuesday. And Broncos Country, I tell you what, I think Broncos Country, now that the 2020 NFL season is officially over, I feel like people are starting to breathe a little bit. They're starting to relax with some of the crazy narratives, the the comparisons. And I think the Chiefs' loss in the Super Bowl has helped Broncos country, in a sense, kind of find the reality that, look, you can have an elite quarterback, but there's other parts of the game that matter if you're going to win at the biggest stage of them all. Broncos fans should know that from 2015, when the offense wasn't as great as it could have been, but the Broncos' defense came up big when it mattered most. So we're going to start things off here right now with Josh Gennato. He says, was the Super Bowl game a result of good defensive scheme or the fact that Patrick Mahomes was suffering from a turf toe injury and also the fact that they were missing a couple offensive linemen? Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I'm going to answer that first part there. Here's the deal. I, I don't understand, and not talking to you specifically on this, Josh, not, not mentioning you, but I'm talking about Chiefs fans in general on social media 
now you're starting to see all the excuses come out. Well, Mahomes had a turf toe injury. It didn't look like it affected him against the Buffalo Bills. It didn't look like it really affected him against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. Now, granted, he's going to have to have surgery on it, but there's a thing called lidocaine, which he probably got a lidocaine shot. It didn't look like his mobility was affected in any way, shape, or form. I thought that Todd Bowles did a tremendous job with his defensive scheme against Mahomes, taking a little bit of the page out of Vic Fangio's scheme, what we saw Denver do against him earlier, and then he had the athletic, more elite guys at the inside linebacker position. I think those guys made a difference alongside the edge rush and the interior presence from Vita Vea. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, oftentimes he scrambled. He got to the outside various times. Contain was lost. But towards the middle part of the game, Tampa Bay absolutely found a way to fluster him, to close the pocket around him, not allow him room to escape. And he still almost made some crazy plays. So I don't really think that Mahomes, his turf toe injury had much to do with it. Um, and also Josh's second part of the question says, I think Denver should look at upgrading the middle linebacker position. Absolutely. Devin White, Levante David did a phenomenal job against Travis Kelsey, and Denver may have to go with that approach, right? It's a copycat league. Well, now I think the blueprint is out there. If Denver has an elite linebacker that can keep up with the speed and the, the ability of Travis Kelsey as a route runner to sit against zone coverage, and I think Denver could sneak a game against Kansas City next year if they're able to do that. Robert Monkhouse is up next. He says, if you were in charge, what would your first moves be for the Broncos? I think first and foremost, you have to evaluate your in-house guys. I really do believe if I was the general manager of Denver, I would take care of my in-house guys that I, that I go into my regime as the general manager and I say, look, I don't want to do this without these guys. Who are those guys, so to speak? Well, Justin Simmons is one. Shelby Harris, you got to be able to take care of those in-house guys there. I think that's going to be one of the keys there. You know, Tim Patrick, you know, can you bring him back for cheap? Yeah, you probably could. Philip Lindsay, absolutely, with the second-round tender. You want to go in with those guys, those young and exciting playmakers. I would do that. Those would be my first decisions in-house, Robert. Alex Kenworthy says, how many different ways can you convince me to believe in Drew Locke? Look, Alex, I'm not going to use this podcast to convince you one way or the other who you should root for or how to believe in some quarterback because the reality is you're going to have to do that work on your own, my man. Like, I can present the objective point of views. I could point out that Drew Locke improved in 2020 as the season went on. There were things that he did. He got better at processing the field. His decision-making at times did improve minus a couple of hiccups. He did improve as a quarterback. However, there's still a lot that he has to work on, and maybe having a full offseason will help. Maybe having some competition will help. I mean, there's a lot of ways that we could put it, but Ultimately, Alex, you're going to have to make that decision for yourself, my man. I'm not going to push anybody on you guys one way or the other. I'm just going to give my point of view, how I see it from a coach's perspective, how I see it from where Drew Locke has progressed, and I just try to provide you the most accurate information possible here. But yes, that's a great question, Alex. And I hope, I wish you and any Broncos fan who has that question, I wish you luck. Manuel Benavides says, well, we definitely learned yet again that defense wins championships. Vic Fangio's defense has won another Super Bowl. I think Denver has a good core on both sides of the ball, but we need some good corners and a fast off-ball linebacker. We don't need to sell the farm for a quarterback. Tom Brady played efficient, not lights out. What are your thoughts, Cody? Manuel, I think you're spot on here because everybody's talking about quarterback, 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 and, and I think about the hall, the proposed hall for a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, what Denver would have to give up, the young core on the defensive side of the ball, the draft picks in the capital, and I would say to myself, it's not worth it for Denver at that point. Everybody is so enamored with quarterback, but yet again, when the lights are the brightest, we saw a defense devise a game plan with the talent that they have built defensively all together, and they stopped one of the NFL's best offenses out there, one of the most efficient, most explosive offenses in the NFL, 
we saw them stifle them. I mean, the fact that Kansas City didn't score a touchdown speaks volumes to that mindset there. And Tom Brady, look, Tom Brady didn't have to play lights out. I mean, he was efficient. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the short and quick passing game was there. He took a couple of shots downfield here. He got some P.I. calls to set them up. But outside of that, if you have decent and manageable quarterback play, not a manage the game sense, but you're on third down, you can convert. You're on second down, you can convert. You're making good decisions. We saw Brady make great decisions, and it came pre-snap. It also came during the game. He was able to make those adjustments. That's where a quarterback measurement has to come in. You can have a quarterback that runs a 4-4-40, has a big cannon arm, but here's the deal, folks. If he can't make good decisions, if he can't be consistent enough, or the supporting cast around him doesn't step up to the table, you're going to run into some issues. I think Tom Brady is a great example of that. Combine that with the strong defense, you don't need the quarterback that has all those flashy traits, the franchise traits that you'd like. You'd like to be able to find your franchise quarterback at some point, build and develop that guy, and not have to go out and give up so much capital to get a guy that is already a franchise guy for another organization. But yes, that's spot on, Manuel. Appreciate your question, my man. Brendan Coleman is up next. He says, does the Super Bowl help underline the importance of Von Miller? With he and Bradley Chubb together, the possibility of generating a similar game as the Bucks is there. Really hope that the Broncos keep Von. Brennan, I'll say this. You have to have that edge rush. And I think that Denver this season against Patrick Mahomes, I thought they did a pretty good job in both those matchups. We saw Bradley Chubb get a sack against Eric Fisher. We were able to see Denver flustering Jeremiah Tauju getting sacked. Shelby Harris pressuring and flustering Mahomes from the inside. You have to have those disciplined edge rushers. Now, the concern for me is the amount of holding calls that the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line did not have against Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul. I mean, the fact that they were held so many times, and even on Shaq Barrett's sack, he was held, no flag was thrown. That, to me, was a little bit of a concern as to maybe how the NFL is going to view the holding call going forward. I think it makes life difficult for, obviously, pass rushers. The NFL wants ratings. They want high-scoring games. I like defensive football. I mean, you guys know me. I've been talking about that. But, yes, I think Von Miller, Bradley Chubb together would be exactly what Denver needs. If they can bring back Shelby Harris and if they can find an off-ball linebacker or if Justin Stern can be that guy, Denver's not far away defensively. They're really not. I think they're a cornerback and maybe an off-ball linebacker. They could have that already on on the roster with Justin Stern, as I mentioned. Uh, but I think that they're just those couple positions away from really being an elite defense. I think that Denver could be a top-five defense next year, and I really believe that having those passers on the edge is going to help support that notion there, Brendan. Elijah Riley's up next. He says, I believe you mentioned on the pod that the Broncos would have to honor Vaughn's club option by the first week of March. What are the important dates for this offseason? I'm glad you mentioned that because there are some important dates coming up now. There's some flexibility. Obviously, the Super Bowl has ended. February 7th was the Super Bowl, but coming up on February 23rd, that's when the franchise tag window opens and it's expected to close after two weeks so franchises are going to have two weeks all together to place the franchise tag on a player that they want to maybe negotiate a contract with or they don't want to let go and maybe entice playing on the deal in 2021 outside of that March 17th is when free agency begins that opens up officially at 4 p.m. Eastern time so that'll be 2 p.m. Mountain time March 17th now any deal that's agreed upon then it can happen but it does not become official until the new league year rolls around and then April 5th is when offseason workouts for new teams that have brand new head coaches are allowed to begin to be able to get those guys in the building. April 19th will be off-season workouts for all other teams. Those will be allowed to begin. And then April 23rd will be the last day of restricted free agency, the signing period there for those players. April 28th will be the last day for teams to match offer sheets for restricted free agents. And then April 29th is the NFL draft. And the NFL is planning to move ahead with scheduling out off-season workouts. But right now, there is no determination as to when that's going to happen or what it's going to look like. But Broncos country coming up here in just a moment, we're going to get 
get some more questions from some listeners here on the text line 303-529-6323. But before we do that, folks, I got to tell you guys about the sponsor of today's episode, Lockdown Broncos, our good friends over there, rockauto.com, folks. And chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are always reliably low. And rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. They have everything that you could need, whether it's an engine control module, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, or even brand new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, you get everything that you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts elsewhere? Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And write Lockdown Broncos in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com Jumping into the fourth quarter of today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. As I mentioned earlier, folks, if you guys want to follow the podcast on social media, the Twitter handle is at Lockdown Broncos. You can also like the Facebook page, Lockdown Broncos, as well. You can interact with me at Cody Rourke. NFL, but let's get into a conversation furthermore here with Broncos Country, Text Message Tuesday. Add yourself if you guys ever want to get in on future Text Message Tuesdays, 303-529-6323. Send me a text. I'll get to it. There's hundreds of Broncos fans that I interact with. I make it a point to go through and respond to every single one, either through text, whether through its voice message, or even here on the podcast. So bear with me if it takes me a day or two to get back to you. But continuing on our conversation right here, right now, Harry Leland says, can we hit the reset button in 20? 21. I just want to see everybody available next year and see what a healthy roster can do. I think that's where Broncos fans should approach the 2021 season. Let's see what happens with a healthy roster. If everybody can stay healthy, let's see what Deborah can do, and then we can make a determination as to what moves they actually should make going forward, whether it pertains to quarterback, whether it pertains to other decisions with the coaching staff, so on and so forth. PJ the Burst has got one for you this week. Setting quarterback aside, which position do we think that the LE era front office has struggled the most in drafting? You and I both really like Michael Ojemudia, but the jury is still out on him. So my instinct says cornerback. What do you think? Well, if I have to pinpoint any position that maybe maybe I had to choose from the LA era that drafting a position or finding a position that struggled the most. You can make the argument about cornerback, but that's only based on after, you know, Keep Tlaib was traded away. You know, obviously the no-fly zone was put together by John Elway, and part of that was a Keep Tlaib alongside Chris Harris Jr., TJ Ward on the back end of that secondary safety, Darian Stewart. I don't necessarily know about cornerback. I think cornerback has been fine. Now, I like the move of A.J. Bouye. Now, unfortunately, it didn't work out, I think, in the manner a lot of people had expected for Denver, obviously due to him being injured, and then the suspension that really threw a wrench in, I think, our ability to evaluate Bouye's play and contribution more efficiently than we have been so far. Um, outside of that, you know, I would have to say the offensive line. You know, I mean, think about all the offensive linemen that Denver went through before they drafted Garrett Bowles. I mean, Stevenson, let's talk about right tackle as well. Juwan James, I'd probably say the tackle position or the offensive line has been an area that Denver and the LA era probably had struggled with trying to figure out in drafting. 
But obviously, I think Denver's on the right track. Now, this year, I think right tackle has to be a big emphasis in the draft. I think that Lloyd Cushenberry is obviously rising up a little bit. I want to see what he does in year two under Mike Munchak. Uh, in the left tackle, Garrett Bull's got an extension. That's great. Dalton Reisner entering his third season. And then right guard, Graham Glasgow. Let's see what he can do in 2021. Can he stay healthy? If so, I think Denver will be good. And if not, Denver could part ways after 2021 with Glasgow and also with Juwan James. Uh, but outside of that, I think we have to really take a look at those positions right there, PJ. Great question. Bridget Shoemaker says, we saw a blueprint on how to beat the Chiefs. It seems it was pulled from an earlier game and Fangio looks like a masterpiece. Do we have the people right now, when healthy, to make that work? If not, who are we missing? I think Denver defensively, look, if Denver offensively in that game on Sunday Night Football at Arrowhead Stadium played a lot more consistent, avoided a couple of those mistakes, like if Denver goes down on that first drive and scores a touchdown, I think Denver wins that game against the Chiefs. I really do. I think the offense has to play better than what they did. If the Broncos can play that bend but don't break strong style of defense, limit those opportunities that the Chiefs have to score touchdowns, hold them to field goals, or even get some stops, get some turnovers, which Denver didn't do, you have a chance to beat Kansas City. I think Denver is in a good position to be able to do so. Dan Andrews is a Chiefs fan. He says, hey, expectations for the Broncos in 2021 over under eight and a half for wins. And do you expect a playoff berth? It's really hard to say right now, Dan, because the season just ended and there's so many different moves that could either propel you up in, in terms of the preseason rankings of whether or not you project them to have eight wins or not. But Look, I, I'm going to go on the presumption here that Denver is fully healthy in 2021. I think Denver can win eight games or higher. I think they're an eight-plus win team, potentially. Uh, is that enough for a playoff spot? As we've seen in the AFC, probably not enough. Depends on the division. Depends on how the Chargers and the Raiders do. Uh, I do think that Denver could be in the hunt for a wild card in 2021, though. I really do believe that. Philip Nyan says, if the Broncos land Watson, that's a big if. I know. How do you see the rivalry with Kansas City going forward? Is one team better than the other definitively or will it be more of a 50-50 split? I think we have to wait and see how the uh, Patrick Mahomes contract and even the Deshaun Watson contract, how that would impact Denver and Kansas City's ability to retain some of their key guys. I think having a balanced team on offense and defense is the best bet. And if you land a big guy like Watson, I don't think that's possible. And I think with Kansas City here in about 2023, I think that's going to be an issue we see them run into altogether not having that complete balance look you're going to have the elite quarterback in Mahomes but will you be able to retain a lot of those key players around him and that's a big question that I have there Philip. Drake Ricard closes out today's episode Lockdown Broncos text message Tuesday what can we take away from the game to try to slow Mahomes next year I think the Broncos did a pretty good job this year considering how much they were missing look Drake I think they have to keep the game plan simple Kareem Jackson even said it last week that you can have a game plan but once you come out there on the field against Mahomes and Kansas City it almost like it kind of kills your game plan because he does all these things really well he does these different things they have the personnel to be able to stretch you thin but I think if Debra can replicate the game plan they had last year and if they can get a better offensive production against Kansas City and their aggressive defense led by Steve Spagnolo. I think Denver has a chance to compete with the Chiefs in the AFC. Now, not saying that they're going to compete to win the division. There's obviously a lot of factors contingent upon that, but you have to be able to at least win one of those games against Kansas City, and you have to take care of business. You have to sweep the Chargers. You have to sweep the Raiders in order to make that possible. But if Denver could be better on offense, I think defensively they're going to be very strong in 2021. But Broncos country, that'll do it for today's episode here. Locked on Broncos. Appreciate you guys 
for tuning in. If you're a new listener of the show, hope you enjoyed it. If you love the show, make sure to give us a subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and our good friends over there at Spotify. If you want to interact with me more one-on-one, text me at 303-529-6323 or tweet me at Cody Rourke NFL. I appreciate you guys. As always, we have some very awesome guests coming up here in the coming weeks ahead. We're going to talk with Sarah Benninger on Friday's episode of Free Agency Friday. We take a look at the cornerback position, some potential options Deborah could or should target altogether. If you want to get involved in that conversation, just let me know. And just a reminder, if you guys missed yesterday's episode, we had Broncos defensive back Duke Dawson on the show. Be sure to check it out. Be sure to give Duke's interview a listen and let me know what you thought about what Duke had to say for the Broncos in 2021. With that said, I'm Cody Rourke, host of Lockdown Broncos. We'll see you tomorrow for a brand new episode of the show.